Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. On an 0-1 pitch, Hernandez lifts one to left center field. It is pulled in by Meadows. Here comes Santana. The Red Sox have the championship series. <clears throat> that was some fun baseball last night. So it was perfect for me, BK, and thank you for uh, helping me out yesterday. Uh, for people that didn't hear the crossover, 19th annual Dan McLaughlin Golf Tournament. Make this very quick. Thanks to all that played, participated, volunteered. Uh, mentioned it on the crossover. We're just shy now of $5 million we've raised for the Special Education Foundation. And so we had a great day. Thank you to everybody that participated and uh, braved the weather as we did get it in. So it was a lot of fun. Now, uh, we were done by about 7.30. So I get home and I'm like, man, life's pretty good. I was able to get the 18 in. We raised a bunch of money. That was good. And now I got baseball. And then I turn on the uh, Dodger game, and I'm like, wait a minute. They're, are they playing in – I thought it was supposed to be Dodger Stadium. Yeah. I seriously did. I, I looked at it because I, I had the sound down for a second, and they're shooting the flags and the wind, and things are going nuts. And I look in the dugout. I go, I, I know it's Dodger Stadium, but what the hell is going on here? That was a crazy scene at Dodger Stadium, and this was on the heels of the Boston game. I, it's just great baseball, man. It's been fun, and thanks for helping out yesterday. Oh, of course. No, thank thank you for giving back. Um, last night was an awesome night of baseball, and that Giants game, Dan, at, at every turn, I've doubted the Giants. At every turn. I have to. All season long. I mean, they won with you. 107 games. When am I going to become a believer? Should I now? I, I think at this point. I, I'm I with think you. now is the time, but it's... It's baffling to me. Like, it, it's my own fault for falling me into too. this trap. If a team wins 107 baseball games, You're really they're probably good. pretty good. Yeah. And yet I gave them no chance against the Dodgers. I really didn't. I believed, especially going into last night with Scherzer on the mound, I just assumed the Dodgers were going to win. They'd go up 2-1 and they'd find a way to get out of this series. It didn't go that way. The Giants pitching was outstanding. And yes, the win was absolutely a story. Did you think, by the way... Final out, did you think Gavin Lux got it? 100%. I did too. I mean, it had an 89% chance of being a hit, yeah. according to the StatCast numbers. So I think everybody assumed that it was out. He certainly did. He yeah. was admiring the thing as it was looking like it was going to clear the wall. The Giants are really good. The Dodgers were hurt last night by the wind. No doubt there was at least two that I thought were out, and both of them ended up being outs. But... And eventually, I've just got to give the credit where it's due, and the Giants have earned our respect at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'm with you. 100 plus wins. You're you're a really good team. Now, I think here's where I I went wrong, and maybe you'll agree with this. And last night proved it to me. You know, I didn't think Brandon Crawford was going to be this kind of player this Ooh. year. I didn't think Buster Posey coming off of last year. Remember, he sat out 2020, and at that age, with the mileage, you're thinking. What kind of years he going to have? Maybe he's just playing out the string, you know, to get the money and he's got the contract and that's the way it goes. Evan Longoria was hurt, but when he plays, he's still really good. That's the one to me that was maybe the most surprising of all of them. And so I, I think when I reflect on this, I go, okay, Lamont Wade. Okay. 
When they got Dominic Leone, the bull, well, okay. I mean, Kevin Gossman, yeah, he was really good last year, but really, is he Max Scherzer? Is he uh, these other guys that we know? But maybe he is. But Crawford makes that play on a leaping jump at uh, at short yesterday that kind of saves the game. And so when I saw that happen, that's when I said to myself, BK, and I knew we were going to talk about this, obviously, today, I, I thought, that's it. That's the difference, is that these guys are playing like it's 2010 and 12 and 14. They're really good still, and they're they're not washed up. They're not on the back. Well, maybe they're on the backside, but they're still really good and above average and in some t- cases elite. Like Brandon Crawford has turned himself into one of the toughest outs in that lineup. And that wasn't the case before. He was just a really solid, really good player at short. But now he's great, you know? Yeah. And and they mix and match well, and I guess we should give them the credit they deserve. But that, that to me, to the greater point of looking at it, is what I look at now is those three guys are still really good players, and that's why they won 100-plus games. All of the things that we say about the Rays on an annual basis – they apply for this Giants team. Yeah. Like the the nameless, faceless guys that become that emerge in the postseason for the Rays. That's kind of what's happened with the Giants this year. A lot of their players that are their their splits, that they play the splits regularly. Those are really smart signings. They yeah. were really smart finds by the Giants. And they're doing it, and this is what I like about the Giants and dislike about the Rays is that they've done it while also supplementing it with the guys that you're talking about. They still have Buster Posey. They've got Crawford. They had Belt throughout the season. They brought in Longoria a few years ago, and it hasn't worked out the way they had hoped, but he was really good for them this year. You can win this way. Oh, yeah. And I think that if we go into the offseason, Dan, for the Cardinals to kind of localize this story, if I had to guess if there's any lesson that the Cardinals are going to take from this season, it's to build more like what the Giants did. That depth really matters in a big, big way. And in particular, it matters with having lefties coming off of your bench. And it matters with having enough arms to be able to make it through the season. And guys that in high leverage spots, you trust to go too late in innings. Yeah, as I said before, you know, sitting behind this mic with you. And I I said, you know, to me, the, the 2021 Cardinals, when we were talking in March, are going to be defined by the fact that they have really deep pitching and they're going to be loaded with pitching, and we're going to see these teams in August and September pitching-wise trying to come up for air because you're coming off a truncated season. Man, I couldn't be more wrong about that. They just did not have enough pitching. I was right now, there with you. They supplemented it towards the end, and that's why they won. So to your point, I'm 100% in agreement. You know, you go into this offseason, which does beg the question, what's your number one need? If you... Had uh, you're sitting in John Mosellock and Mike Gersh's seat, you know, what are you thinking? And to me, I'm looking pitching. I got to be settled with my pitching. I like my lineup, and I'm in agreement that I want to improve my bench. I like Rondon from, by the way, the right side. I think he's really grown into that role. But what am I doing to, to supplement some of the length in my lineup and also coming off the bench having a threat in particular from the left-handed side? Now, is that Nolan Gorman? Is he going to DH? Is he going to have a chance to make the club? Yes, he will. Is that your guy? Because I don't want him at second base. I got my second baseman. I ain't touching him. That's Tommy Edmond. And I know some people disagree with that. That's just where I'm at. So is Norman my uh, Nolan Gorman my, uh, my designated hitter and kind of jack of all trades to play a little second, play a little third? Yeah, maybe. But I think I got to go out and get somebody. 
And that's probably the direction I would imagine, BK, that they go. I'm with you. And that's kind of the direction that I think they're headed. I, I will say they could get a shortstop. Like they could surprise both of us. And you know what? They're going to go spend some money on a big time shortstop. And then they're going to supplement that with lower end signings sure. in the pitching market because they believe that their defense is so outstanding and they you can just, get by with some of those guys. And you just did it. Exactly. You know, you just did it with Happ and Lester and to an extent, TJ McFarland. I, I really like Garcia. I think he's actually, you know, if used properly with rest, he looks elite. Something happened in St. Louis. I mean, he was really good. Sinker ball. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the difference, obviously. As you know, he was forcing him and then two-seamed it and guys couldn't hit him. Um, okay, real quickly here. 314, did Boston play possum at the end of the season? Thought Yankees <laughs> or Blue Jays were better at the end of the year than Red Sox, but what happened to the Rays? Um, what happened to the Rays was that it was a great series, and sometimes that happens in postseason play. I think if these two teams played 100 times, they might go 15-50. That was a, that was a hell of a series, man. They got Kike'd. Kike Hernandez yeah. just beat him. Like, he, was, he was the best player in the series for either team, and you you look at that series looking back at it, Dan, those two really good teams that had every opportunity to win any of those games that easily could have gone to the race side easily. Yeah, I do wonder. I, I don't know that there was a great outcome for me with my personal uh, sensibilities when it comes to baseball. I root against the race. I do. I, I, I dislike the way that they build their you roster. You want to see teams ha- have a minimum to spend and then go out and spend that money and then some. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to see them try to get better every single year, even if that does mean like keeping Adam Wayne right throughout his entire career here in St. Louis from a pure baseball analytical perspective was probably the wrong move for the Cardinals. But here in St. Louis, it was the absolute right move. You weren't going to get rid of that guy. The Rays would have. And I hate that. I hate that they would have let that guy walk I at some point in his career. I think would have. Absolutely. But I, I, I really dislike that way of going about it. And it's not just Wayno, but you look around that like Matt Carpenter wouldn't have finished his career here no. in St. Louis. There, there's a lot of decisions that they make that I just dislike from a baseball sentimentality perspective in some ways. And the Red Sox, it's kind of the same way. Like, I did not like them trading away Mookie Betts. And yet here they are, two years later, they very well may be headed to the World Series. So I I wasn't going to have a good outcome in this series, unfortunately. So the playoff results, Red Sox 6-5 over the Rays. So the Boston uh, Red Sox win that series. They're headed to the ALCS. Atlanta 3 to nothing over the Brewers. Oh, boy. And maybe this is the left-handed bat you're looking for. To right field. Garcia going back, looking up, it is gone! A blast, pinch hit, three-run home run for Jock Peterson, and the Atlanta Braves are on top, three to nothing. His second pinch hit home run of this NLTS. So he is three for three as a pinch hitter, a couple of home runs, a single, he's driven in four. Um, You know his brother works in the uh, Cardinal system. Oh, really? Yeah, Jock Peterson, I I believe he's a hitting coach at, is it double-A? I need to look it up. But, yeah, his brother is in the Cardinal system um, as a coach. I've always liked Jock Peterson. I just didn't like him against lefties. But if he says, you know what? Okay, I gave it that that year where they the Cubs gave me my shot to play every day, and I come to Atlanta, and now I'm being used. Well, maybe I just extend my career a really long time by just blasting home runs against right-handed and come off the bench, make a couple million bucks, get the occasional start. He's young. I don't think he's going to want that. However, he would be on my radar because he gives you that big time bat from the left side. 
Yeah, and, and if he had an injury in the outfield, you can play in the outfield. Here's a question for you, Dan. Is this as open of an offseason as you can remember for the Cardinals? Because I, I, I could see them going That's with a, good question. a DH. I could see them getting think a the shortstop. D, well, I think the DH complicates it this for year sure. more so than ever, just because you've never had to deal with the DH. And now you got to figure out, okay, are we going we gonna to supplement this from within? Or is our best bet to go out and get somebody? I don't know. I, I, I that that's a good question. I'm Gorman's not sure. It's kind of a pivot point too, because you've got the guy that is coming up that becomes that could potentially profile as a big bat for you, and he may be ready right away, but he may not be. I, I don't know how the Cardinals view that going into next season, and that can complicate matters as well. Do you need a Jock Peterson or a Kyle Schwarber if you think that Gorman is going to be ready on day one of next year? I don't know. Do you need a, a fifth starter? And I'm not saying a number five starter, but a fifth starter in your rotation. If you expect Alex Reyes or Matthew Liberator or uh, Oviedo or Woodford to be able to take on that role. I don't know. Do you feel like your bullpen needs another back end piece? If Jordan Hicks is going to be ready for next season. I don't know. It, it's as open Dan as I can remember, because normally I go into the off season. I'm like, okay, they need a sh- they need a center fielder. They need a number three starter yeah. that's going to be an innings eater. This offseason, they don't like really need any of those things, but they would really like to have a lot of those different things. So it's a matter of what they really prioritize. You know why Saxy is the best? Why is that? Mark Saxon, he says, Tiger Peterson is at double-A Springfield. So thank you, Mark. And he is the hitting coach. Jock and Ty- Tiger. Yeah. Love the names. I don't know if they had a sister. We'd have to look that up. I wonder what that name is. Anyway, uh, the Giants one to know th- uh, one to nothing over the Dodgers, and again, it's the uh, the guys that are a little longer in the tooth that step up big for San Francisco. Back to work as we go to the fifth inning. Fly ball left field hit pretty well. Back on it is Pollock. This ball's carrying, and this ball is gone. Evan Longoria puts the Giants on top. Here's the pitch. Bats lines one. Caught by Crawford. A leaping catch at shortstop to rob Mookie Betts of a hit that almost certainly would have tied this game. And who knows after that? Absolutely. They had a great shot of behind the plate of when Betts hit that ball. And you see it at the apex of the jump and the the catch made by uh, the shortstop Crawford. And that call is perfect because I think it's in the gap. I do think that goes in the gap, and then at that point, who knows what happens. So it's a game-saving catch. Sometimes you have those over the wall, and sometimes you have leaping catches at short. So that was a hell of a play. We're going to take a quick timeout. By the come- way, I've got an answer to your question. <clears throat> yes, sir. Jock Peterson has another brother named Champ and a sister named JC. Okay. Who, who would have thought JC? Champ, Tiger, and Jock, and the sister JC. Okay. <laughs> I, I love. Hey, everybody's got reasons for names. It's all good. I love it. It's all good. When you have your first... Uh, child, which I bet this time next year we're talking about. Dan, no, no. you know it's kind of no. crazy. Um, but man, this this fatherhood thing is something. Oh yeah, it's coming. No, 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 no. What about we you, Tanner? That. Oh, ta- no, 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 no. Tanner's working on getting a date time. for my wedding. Okay, I'm just saying. All right. We got to get Tanner a date for the wedding. Yeah, we're, we're working on it. Okay. All right, good. Uh, we're going to take a timeout. There's some interesting numbers from the postseason that I want to get into. And maybe is that what you look at when you build a team, which is something to think about. Also, Gary LaRock, who runs the Cardinals minor league system, coming up at 1030. It's the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN.
Okay, so after last night, teams that score first are twelve and three in the postseason. Teams that out homer their opponents are twelve and zero. Nearly fifty percent of all runs have been scored via the home run. It's forty three percent during the regular season. Hitters striking out thirty percent of their at bats. So when you hear those numbers, BK, what what stands out? Because I'll, I'll rephrase the. I'll, I'll come back to the question because, for instance, the other day when I saw these numbers. Uh, on Twitter last night, I thought, well, you know, in that winner-take-all game, I was hoping that the Cardinals would steal, and we saw the Dodgers do it, and we saw the Cardinals do it a little bit. With You know, I, I thought, do you bunt a lot? Do you try to do <clears throat> different things that maybe would be out of the norm of 162? And I mean the norm of playing baseball in 2021, which is you're really dependent on the home run and a lot of three outcomes. But do you, do you have it played differently, though, in playoff baseball and my answer would have been yeah in a winner take all I would but in a series maybe not so what do you think I mean when when you hear those numbers again 50% of all runs have been via the home run <clears throat> and teams that out homer their opponents are 12 and 0 so what does that what does that tell you do you want to get more power or do you say well we can maybe be a different team and try to go against the norm well I think the first thing that it tells me is that pitching's really good in the postseason and you're not Agreed. seeing the guys that you would see the underbelly of a bullpen that's going to come in in the fifth inning of a mid-June game. That guy's not going to be appearing in any postseason games. Um, I, I think you're seeing a lot of teams that are playing the matchups very well in the postseason, and therefore you get some more of those long ball opportunities. And yeah, when I see something like this, it does suggest to me the Cardinals are kind of well-built, actually. For this style of play, if you're looking at what they did this year, they had a lot of guys in their lineup that were a threat to hit a home run at any point in time. And I'm, that's where I'm at. I, I think you're built right now for yeah. these numbers as the Cardinals look at the numbers. They are built like that. For I don't sure. think their pitching staff is their pitching staff doesn't strike guys out at this rate. And that's something that you could potentially look at. But however, they've also got the best defense in the sport. That's that's the number one point. And the other thing is, like when you go get Jay Happ and you say, well, what's happening with Jay Happ? Well, he's a fly ball pitcher. Hmm. All right. What happens if we put him at Bush Stadium? A lot of those fly balls turn into outs. That's something to think about, too. Yeah. It's kind of like when um, Cincinnati, I, I never understood this move. Never got it. So they were looking for pitching. This is many years ago. Do you remember Eric Milton? Yeah. Okay, the lefty from Minnesota. Yeah. He, he pitched with Minnesota for a number of years. He was a fly ball pitcher, and they gave him a ton of money, and they brought him to Cincinnati. And I, I just looked at it on the surface, and I, I said, well, you know, maybe they think that they got something here, and they're going to unlock it and make him a different guy but historically speaking that just doesn't happen you're either a fly ball pitcher or you're not and you don't develop something in your repertoire to say let's give the guy 30 million dollars because we're going to believe in this no that doesn't work and so they brought him to that ballpark and what happened well, he gave a bunch of bombs well shock yeah <laughs> Who's shocked at seeing something like that? So it's like the Rockies paying a ton of money for their bullpen a few years ago. Like, what? How do you think this is going to go? Relievers tend to yes. fluctuate year to year. You're paying Especially a ton of money relievers. for it, and now you're doing this with guys that are going to be pitching at Coors. How how is this going to work for you guys? So when they signed Hampton and Nagel in the early 2000s, I kind of thought, man, that, that might work. You know, a couple guys they can sink it a little bit. That might work. It didn't work. And you bring Daryl Kyle to Colorado, who's dependent on a breaking ball that breaks off the tape. Now it didn't work. I'm not sure what you do there. I really, I, I've talked to people that have run that organization, and I said, "What do you do?" 
You know, you just sign a, a billion arms and and say, go get them, guys, and then go get, you know, guys that can, they're, they're just speedsters in the outfield. They can go get everything because your your outfield is massive. Yeah. Or do you do the Blake Street Bombers and say, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna find, um, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to sign Kyle Schwarber. And I'm That's gonna, the route I would go. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just going to outslug you. You know, maybe you do that and say, okay, we're back to winning games 12 to 10. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know. But I do know as the Cardinals – is that if if we learn anything in September is that man that defense is elite really elite so if I'm not getting a strikeout guy and they're going to get a guy that puts the ball in play I'm okay with it and I felt that way when I was watching Wayno I felt that way when I was watching Lester I felt that way when I was watching Hap is that at some point in in my opinion now there were aberrations of games where you know Wayno would go seven and scoreless but at some point those three guys I'm probably going to see a bomb. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get. I'm going to see them give up a run, but I'm going to be okay with it because majority of the time it's going to stay in the ballpark and plays are going to be made behind them. So is that the direction they go? Might be strike throwers is where they need to go. I'm totally with you. And when you're looking, somebody on the text line six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line from the three one four said, "Well built for the postseason and actually executing in October are two very different things for the Cardinals right now." That's fair. They do need to execute a little bit better. I will also say, as a little bit of a disclaimer, they had a one game playoff series this year, so it would have been fascinating if they get by the Dodgers, how they would have fared. And I agree with this texter. I don't know. I think they would have been okay. But being built for the postseason in that run and how they utilize the bullpen and having John Lester only give you four or five, that would have been interesting to see because I think that's what would have happened. You would have turned it over to your very good bullpen, and then at that point, all bets are off. So I think their bullpen was built to go deep, potentially. The starting rotation would have been the question mark for me. Yeah, same here. And their lineup, it's its just got a lot of guys that you don't know what they're going to do when the stage is the brightest right now. And when they get that opportunity again next year, there's going to be some players in that lineup that performed very well, most notably Tyler O'Neill, who had a fantastic season. And then when the stage got a little brighter, it, it did look a little big for him at times at the plate. He's going to have other opportunities to answer to that, though, and I, I think he's going to. He's a big-time player that performs well. Um, I expect that to change. But, yeah, if you're if you're saying that they need to execute better in October, I'm totally in agreement with that. But I do think that they are getting closer to the lineup that would typically execute in October. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. One of the things about being affiliated with the St. Louis Cardinals is that you get to interact with people that are just truly first class, people that have been in the baseball side of things for a long, long time. And some of these people don't get enough credit. I think our next guest is that guy. It's Gary LaRock, who runs the the Cardinals farm system of the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals have churned out so many good major league players, whether they're still with the Cardinals or beyond, been used in trades, whatever the case may be, but they find ways to develop talent. And Gary's been doing this a long, long time. And uh, as I said, one of the classiest people in the game. And so, Gary, with that introduction, I welcome you into the show. How you doing? Well, I'm doing fine, and thank you very much. That's a wonderful, very nice introduction, and I will pass along a lot of this to a wonderful minor league staff that is uh, pays attention, Very, just a great staff that works extremely hard. And, you know, it all happens over the years through scouting and player procurement, so we're pretty fortunate in that regard. And uh, 
uh, we have to bounce right back next year. Absolutely. Now, it was record-wise a tough year in the minor leagues. However, it's about developing players, and I was looking at the rosters of the various stops, whether it be AAA, AA, single-A, rookie ball. You guys were one of the youngest teams in every single league. So I don't put much stock into wins and losses. It's great. You want to win, obviously, but it's about developing players. And to the bigger question, Gary, is coming off no minor league season, and then having a minor league season in which you played starting on a Tuesday, finishing up a series on a Sunday, there were so many things that happened and just getting guys back into baseball shape and making sure guys weren't used too much, uh, especially on the pitching side. In a general sense, it was a crazy year. What, what was it like for you in running this minor league system coming off no season a year ago? Well, you make mention of a couple of the challenges right away. The very first thing was when everyone came back, we obviously had to adhere to all the protocols health-wise. And we were very fortunate. Our, our performance staff, Robert Butler and the staff, did a wonderful job um, ensuring that our clubs were prepared, ready, following protocols, and, and getting through the season. Um, we had, like most clubs, small little outbreaks that we were able to contain, keep playing, and and we were just very fortunate in that regard. That was the first thing. The next thing, which you did mention, was workloads for pitchers. Being away for 18 months, most of these pitchers, to then start up in April, spring training for the minor leagues started in April. We, um, we had to really prepare this, uh, watching over the workloads and making sure that we kept people healthy from a pitching standpoint. And then, of course, you step out and you say, here comes May, and now we're ready to go, and everything that goes with it, the travel. Um, the biggest thing that occurred was that young players were now moved a level of ahead of probably where historically they would not have been because we had two short-season clubs in previous years in Johnson City and State College we no longer have. So those challenges were good, and you know what it does? We found it, it created a lot of opportunities. Our, our strongest prospects did well. They hung in there. Our second-tier prospects were challenged at some, uh, at some different ventures in terms of the level they were at. And uh, overall, it just makes us very excited to come back next year because we're back in position and trying to get people to move accordingly, and yet – the big thing is have players play to the level of the leagues. And as long as we can continue to do that, we'll be, we'll be successful. But um, a lot of positives this year, despite all the challenges. Gary, it's been really two unprecedented seasons for your team and trying to put together what the development plan looks like for some of these guys, as you were just talking about there. I also wanted to ask you about uh, the, the alternate site camp and how now looking back on that about a year later, really, how do you think that played into the development of some of these guys with the benefit of hindsight? How, how do you think that helped them? Well, we always wanted to play games. I mean, in the minor leagues, you know, you look back over the years and we have a nice full schedule that used to start the first week of April. And, but the next best option was to make sure that we were providing for the major league team, which the alternate site did. If you go back two years ago, or a year and a half ago, uh, plus, to Springfield, where we had the alt site, and then last April when we had it um, uh, right there in St. Louis, we were very fortunate that our players who went there, it really fit. It was a good fit, and they were prepared well in terms of the pitchers being ready to help out and step into the big leagues where needed. If you look back a year and a half ago, knowing that what we went through on the major league side, we had to have a lot of minor league players ready. 
So um, my hat's off to the players and the staff who always pulled it off and made sure it worked. So the outside was a very good thing that worked well for us. And um, I think for all of baseball, they would, they would chime in and say it was a wonderful option to help our major league clubs. Gary LaRock is our guest, and uh, <clears throat> he runs the Cardinals farm system. couple of uh, points on this one, and, and maybe you can address this, Gary. Uh, they were at the different levels using, and I remember you and I talking right before the season, the, the different rules, the bigger bags, limited shifts, electronic strike zone at some levels, um, and how that would play out. And I think we all were curious about that. And then secondly, um, starting a series on a Tuesday and then playing that team through a Sunday – I was thinking, man, there could be some bad blood in these series. So how did all that stuff work out in the minor leagues? Well, to your point about the rules and the experimental rules, uh, one which we found in, first of all, we supported everything that was going on through MLB. It was well-coordinated for Major League Baseball. They worked extremely hard with all the farm directors, and, and we in turn with the staff and the players. Each league had something that they were able to work on and as far as an experimental rule that started the year off. One that's uh, worthy to discuss was that the automatic ball strike system was down here in Palm Beach at our spring training home here at Roger Dean Stadium for our Palm Beach club. Interestingly enough, that we had a very young pitching staff here. When you combine a, um, a strike zone with a very young pitching staff, uh, what we found early on was that um, our young pitchers had a lot of work to do to control and command the strike zone. Uh, so that was part of the challenge. And I thought it was a very good challenge because what it does is, and if you look back to our history, we've always challenged our players at higher levels for shorter periods of time to see how well they do. And in many cases, uh, we've had good results. In this case here in Palm Beach, it took a while for our pitchers to get adjusted to that ABS system. And uh, so those are the kind of things that we had to go through this year. There were others, uh, other uh, experimental rules that work that they'll continue to use and try. And to your point about Tuesday to Sunday, it really was not a problem. Um, I think uh, Major League Baseball made every effort to make sure we all understood that uh, – uh, the length of a series, we, we all have to handle it well. And uh, overall, I'd say it worked out pretty well for, for teams. Gary, I feel like the Cardinals prospect that we talk the most about here on the station and probably among fans as well is Nolan Gorman. And he had a tremendous season. He had like a weird one week kind of adjustment period when he got up to AAA. And ever since then, the numbers have just been everything I would have to imagine that you guys could have hoped for. Uh, what was this year like as you watched Nolan Gorman's development? And do you feel like going into the offseason, this is a guy that could legitimately help your, help the big league club in 2022? You know, it was fun to watch his progress this year. He um, he stepped in, and he's as everyone who has been around Nolan understands, he's extremely focused. He pays attention to small details. Um, he's a diligent worker. He just he never gives in at the plate. And um, part of it was this year he was going to make the conversion full time to second base. And uh, it's worked out extremely well. We took that, and we were very patient. We took that slowly right at the beginning of the season. And when he got in, uh, got into the upper level, into AAA, we wanted to make sure that we didn't overload on two things, change of position, change of level. And yet, at every stop, he just 
went right through it with no problem at all. A true professional, a great worker. Uh, his work at second base improved dramatically. Jose Okendo was involved. And uh, I'd have to say overall, it was just great watching his development this year. I want to ask you, too, about uh, Herrera, the catcher we hear a lot about, and Libertor. So we're going to ask you about a bunch of different guys. But those two, in, in Libertor, I, I noticed in the stretch run, Gary, looked to, to put up some really good numbers. He did, Dan. And interesting for Matthew was that, as, as we recall, back in June, he was part of the Olympic uh, team. And that team that was in the um, – um, down here in Florida, actually playing in the games uh, to prepare for the Olympics. Matthew uh, was able to uh, start in two of those outings. It was a great experience for him. Uh, I think when he went back to Memphis right after that, he was both anxious and ready. And, and you know, his second half continued. He continued to do things to develop the consistency. But, you know, he too, like Nolan, is extremely focused. He pays a lot of attention, a lot of attention to exactly what goes on for his work, for what he has to do pregame. Um, he's excellent with that, and uh, we feel he's got the stuff, and he's starting to produce the results to be a factor. And um, you know, he's uh, when you talk to him, you recognize the intensity that he has. He's, his demeanor on the mound is very controlled. And uh, we think he's got a good upside. So he's a, he's a young man with a good future. Gary LaRock, the Cardinals Director of Player Development, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Gary, I'm sure there's a ton that goes into this, but what are some of the things for, for fans that are listening today? What are some of the key factors that go into you determining whether or not a player is ready to break camp, for example, next year with a big league club or just even in an individual season is ready for that call up to the big league club? Well, when it involves the major leagues, as everyone can well imagine that, you know, um, our front office, everybody's included. And so we're, it's not just one person like myself as a minor league director uh, that's responsible for it, but we certainly make the recommendations, whether it's on the pitching side, Tim Levesque, our senior pitching coordinator, Russ Steinhorn, our hit minor league hitting coordinator, myself, we all get involved in how, how the timetable works for a player. If you look at Nolan and he went, he goes into the double-A level, then into triple-A, and then the natural questions are, when will he be ready? So having done this for a long time, we pretty much pinned down as a collective group, and we include everyone from Mo, from Mo down. Mo constantly talks about it, I know, in calls we have. And, and that's the fun part about it from a development aspect, is you see the players uh, really coming along, coming up to the level of a respective league, and then you start to you know, dream about where they're going to be as the next few years roll along. So we're all included. And uh, the big key, as I've always said to all the players, getting there is one thing, but contributing is what you have to be prepared to do. And as long as we get that result, the players can stay. And at the end of the day, when they go up 55 from Memphis, it's a wonderful feeling to hear them call and say, you know, thanks, I'm going up to the big leagues and, and we're uh, and they're very appreciative of it, but uh, that's the goal. That has to be amazing. Um, Jordan Walker is a guy I want to ask you about because I had a couple of people tell me, Gary, that have been around the organization a long, long time. They said in the minor leagues, hitters wise, uh, looking at the the resume and just the upside, they said it was Albert Pujols, Oscar Tavares, and now Jordan Walker. <clears throat> and then by the end of the year, they said. 
It's Albert Pujols, Jordan Walker, Oscar Tavares. That's how highly thought of uh, they they looked at the you know the future potentially of Jordan Walker. So I'll ask you. He's a young man. Can you give our fans a, a, an idea of the position he plays, how well he moves, how he hits, and just uh, the upside for this kid? Well, it's nice that you've ranked him so that you, you – Well, you. Gary, I, I'm, you know, I'm I, here I, to put the pressure on you in the organization. You I and need him in the – you know, this time next year he's got to be in the playoffs, okay? On the plus side, Come at on, least Gary. there's no pressure when you invoke <laughs> the name Albert Pujols. Well, I will say if you, ask, if you ask Jordan Walker, he's ready to move. And that's <laughs> yeah, a bet. wonderful compliment to how he plays the game. He, when he first got here and he stepped into Palm Beach, which is our now – low a level um he played to the level of the league immediately within the first week it was it was very obvious that he has the skill the tools the the drive um he understands the game very well and um i'm just uh, very impressed with how he goes about his work every single day to prepare uh third base wise he moved well uh hands worked very well good fielder uh, offensively, he's a threat every time he comes to the plate. And uh, this is a guy who he does not give in for one second, and, uh, and he likes to win. And so I would say in Jordan Walker's case, when he moved to Peoria, he didn't slow down. Um, and you see that. You see different players react differently to, uh, as they move through levels. In Jordan's case, the move uh, up a level did not did not impact him at all, other than he played to the level of the league immediately, and so it's fun to watch that, and uh, it's well deserved because he's a he's a great worker, and he's got a wonderful future. So my my question would be, Gary, and I don't know if you can answer this now, and and I'm sure you've given it some thought, but there's a pretty good third baseman that's in the fold for a while in Nolan Arenado. First base, you got Goldie wrapped up. Um, has there been talk about moving Jordan around? to play the outfield. Could he do that? Good enough athlete. I, I've heard he runs very, very well, um, but he's at third base now. Or do you just say, you know what, let's not mess with it because the kid is, is rolling right now and we don't, we don't want to disrupt that. Well, the good thing about moving within the system is he's at, at the quote lower levels now, at least in a ball that um, there is some element of time that allows you to move players. We, we certainly have had players over the years that we've shifted into other positions to create value. He's a, he's an athlete who's definitely good enough to make the adjustment very quickly. I would say that. And so from that reason for that alone, I, I don't worry personally about him defensively, wherever you put him on the field out here, as far as that goes on the corners and the outfield, as you speak of. So, he will adjust. He's that, he's that good of an athlete. And um, for those who have seen him, it's just fun to watch him, and he enjoys the game. And as I said, he's got a, he's got a wonderful future ahead. Final question that I have for you, Gary. We'll get you out of here on this one. Juan Yepes was uh, called up for the postseason appearance. He did not make an appearance in that game, but he was at least a part of the wild card game roster. What can Cardinals fans expect from him? It, it, I know he... He was a little bit of a riser this year within the system. What can they expect from him? And there's a decision coming up. I, I understand this offseason with him being a Rule 5 guy as well. Would you assume that he's, he's probably pretty fair to be on the 40-man roster this offseason? Well, I will comment exactly on on what you first mentioned with Juan as far as coming through the system. Um, there was a, a few years back there where he was 
uh, started the year in extended spring training. And he, he's always been a young man who has tremendous drive. So there's no ceiling for that kind of attitude, how he goes about it. He's not going to give in for a second. And um, to your point of what happens as we move forward, to all to be determined for him. But I will say he stepped into double A, triple A, and has constantly produced. Um, when he got there, he, he, it was interesting. He, he was actually on the plane, and he called me from the plane, and this is the kind of young man he is, to say thanks to the organization for all the patience and helping him and so forth. And um, it was a very nice compliment to the staff, the people who've had him, the managers. Um, he's been a wonderful teammate. He certainly has produced. He led uh, AAA and uh, OPS, as you all know. And it was voted, obviously, uh, for those who've seen it, as an all-star in AAA East. So, um, wonderful, wonderful season. And uh, we look forward to good things where he can help the Cardinals. Hey, Gary, thank you so much for hopping on. I know it'll be a busy offseason for you and your staff. And uh, thanks for taking the time today. And I meant what I said. You're first class and really appreciate it. Well, thank you uh, for having us all on. And uh, always during the year, I will say this, Dan. We hear constantly, and for all our broadcast team, you guys are great to our minor leagues. Um, You're always supportive. Uh, We really appreciate it. It means a lot, and it's always good to help any way we can. You got it. You've earned it. Thanks so much. That's Gary LaRock, who uh, runs the Cardinals uh, farm system for the St. Louis Cardinals. Some pretty exciting uh, prospects coming. We ran out of time. I know somebody wanted us to ask about Nick Plummer. I would have, uh, you know, we're running out of time. We just can't. But uh, those are the main po- mo- uh, main points and main guys that are coming through the system. Uh, I'll be fascinated in spring training. I-, I would assume that you're talking about Yepes getting a long look, Nolan Gorman getting a long look. Jordan Walker is going to get some at-bats probably early in spring. I would imagine they invite him to his first <clears throat> spring training and then when spring training is done, does he go to double A as a 19, 20-year-old kid? And I've always said, BK, in this day and age, um, since I've been doing the games, if you're a double A, you're really close to the big leagues. I mean, there's a lot of guys that just bypass now triple A and go to Major League Baseball. Um, I, so I, I'm fascinated. That's what makes, for me, spring training so much fun. I know about Nolan Arenado. I know Goldie. I know some of the other guys. They're, they're using that as a way to get ready for the season. But when you have these young kids that you've heard a lot about and to see what their bodies look like in, a, in an offseason, they get after it, they get in the gym, some of the things that they worked on, like a Tyler O'Neill last year. It started in the first game of him going to right field. Well, look at what he did. 30-plus home runs, has a hell of a year, MVP candidate. Those are the kind of things that I really look forward to in spring training. For sure, yeah. Spring training, there's a lot of stuff that happens there that is like, okay, that that ended up being fool's gold and we learned nothing. It it was a a mirage. And there's other things, though, that are very real. Tyler O'Neill was one of those things. And, Dan, one thing that fascinates me most about the Cardinals system right now is I remember this was a couple of years ago now. Mo talked about the donut that took place within their system where they had guys at the top, they had guys at the bottom, but there wasn't a whole lot in between. And right now, what you're starting to see is they've got a lot of guys that are close. Yeah. And those guys that were towards the bottom, they're now making their way up. There's a lot of young arms that are down there right now. And in particular, it's the position players that are making their way towards the top of the system. Nolan Gorman is basically here. He might not be officially on the big league roster come opening day. I have no idea how the decision's going to play out there. But Nolan Gorman's going to factor into the big league roster in 2022. 
I would have to imagine Jordan Walker, if he continues playing this way, might be on the big league roster or somewhere close to it by 2023. And that's what's so exciting about some of the prospects that are now in the system. You're going to start seeing some decisions being made on the big league roster, on prospects. There's going to be guys that are dealt. There are going to be guys that are impacting the Cardinals. This is when it starts to get really fun, and the Cardinals system is starting to provide them some answers that maybe they don't have to look elsewhere for as much as they did over the last few years. You have three more hours coming up. Alex Alex coming in? He is, yeah. He'll be here today. So we'll start things out talking a little bit about last night's game between the Giants and the Dodgers. At this point, I think it's fair to say I just overlooked them as being the clear-cut best team in the National League all year long, despite the fact that they won 107 games. That's on me. I will make sure to correct that today. I also heard an interview with John Mosellock from over the weekend talking about the pitching and the depth that the Cardinals thought they had and that they didn't end up having. I think they're... Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors... We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.